You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Not Most football podcast. Uh, a day late, but we're here for you no matter what to recap week three. MWR.com is our website, Mountain West Wire, MWR.com. We'll go through the games, a lot of surprises. Uh, Matt, a big shrug emoji for who's number one in our power rankings because I don't know, but I kind of know, but I'm not too confident. In whatever, it's hard to know what's going on, right, in the league. It's, it's going to be a crazy year, and there might be a bunch of eight and five teams or eight and four teams by the time it's all said and done. Yeah, it's kind of funny because it's like, you know, we're, what, three weeks into the season and who's happy at this point? That's a good question. There, there, might, be, there might be a couple fan bases out there that are happy. We'll, we'll talk Dude, about that more when we get into these games. I got two ASAP. Well, wait, for, we're getting one right now. Wyoming Air Force. Okay. So, Wyoming wins 17-14. to 14. Um, If you listen to other podcasts and us and other people talking about Air Force, like, yeah, they could be the – they're going to be like the G5 best out there. They're as good or better than App State or Coastal or the Sunbelt teams or whatever American team that's going to be good this year. Not Houston. But then they fall on their face, 17-14 to 14 versus Air Force. I didn't realize this. I think we mentioned this in our preview. Wyoming has not lost at Air Force, lost versus Air Force at home in a decade. And that continues with mm-hmm. the three-point victory. Was I premature to say they don't know how to, they don't know how to throw the football for Wyoming? Because I, Andrew Peasley, and you put on Twitter, they've been pretty good throwing the ball, at least by Wyoming standards. I forget your exact stat, but was it something like about sixty percent in majority of their games over the past? Yeah. So, uh, if, so I'm trying to look up the tweet as we talk, but basically, if you go back to last year, basically to like last November, one of the things I noticed. Sort of before the week, but I didn't really bring it out until until afterwards. In seven of their last eight games, the Cowboys have completed at least 60% of their throws. So the last four games of 2021, the first four games of this year, the only one where they didn't hit that mark was in the opener against Illinois. Where I bashed them, where they went five of 20. (laughs) Yeah, and and I mean, there's there's no doubt that that was like a, a struggle on all fronts. But you have to give them credit because I think 
it was something we maybe we didn't notice until uh, a little later than we should have. But like Peasley's been pretty good for a few weeks now, and that was no exception in this game. Eighteen and twenty-three, one hundred and sixty-two yards, one touchdown, one interception. You know, made some plays with his legs as well. Picked up thirty-six yards on the ground. Uh, so it was a, a very impressive sort of game management type of performance. I think it's sort of the platonic ideal, I guess you might say, of what Wyoming sort of envisioned its offense to look like because they didn't yeah. really get like that many opportunities, that many scoring opportunities rather. Mm-hmm. But when they did get them, they didn't miss them. You know, only three red zone attempts, but that's where they got all 17 of their points. And that was just really one of the turning points in this game, as well as the reality that Air Force, for as strong as they looked in the first couple of games against Northern Iowa and Colorado, they didn't, they weren't as effective moving the ball. Like they crossed midfield on their first two drives, but stalled. You know, they had the missed field goal on their first drive. You know, they punted from midfield and then they got to their 49, you know, they got, you know, and then they scored a couple of second half touchdowns. Yeah. So, like, they moved the ball a little bit here and there, but not nearly as consistently as they had before. And that's a credit, you know, not only to, uh, I, I guess that's more credit to the, the Wyoming defense than anything. Mm-hmm. Where Air Force running the ball, yeah, 4.3 yards per play is terrible, but Brad, Brad Roberts did nothing. Hazy Daniels did nothing. Wyoming held, there's no explosive plays. One big play. Was okay, the, uh, you say that though, but then you also you're ignoring John Lee Aldridge the third had 13 carries for there. 104 yards. Yeah, I was getting there. I was my next breath was John Lee Aldridge had a long 35 yard run in 100 yards, but that's it. That's how you beat this Air Force team running the ball, where limit big plays. And they had they had one one big pass play. They hit 41 yarder that Harris Kate Harris had long, which uh, I think it was the touchdown. Yeah. Eldridge had the 35 yard run, but they didn't have beyond that. They were not explosive. Longest run for Brad Roberts was seven yards. Longest run for Zeke Daniels was six yards. They were unable to break through to get multiple eight, nine, 10, 15 yard runs, which is how they gash those teams when it's third and four. They run the option and get 12 yards. That was not happening in this game. Wyoming figured something out because they held Air Force was reasonably okay, six to 13 on third down, which is fine. But overall, like it's weird. Like Air Force had no penalties, no turnovers. They weren't sloppy throughout the game. Wyoming's defense just literally shut them down when situations arose, and Air Force just couldn't move the ball enough. And when Air Force throws more than a dozen times, you know they're in trouble. And Hazik Daniels was seven to fourteen. Yeah, he had the two touchdown passes in the second half, but I don't want my Air Force QB throwing over ten times a game. That's most trouble. Yeah, and, and it's and it's not like Wyoming was getting into the backfield all that often too. Like for as for as often as Air Force ran the ball, you know, Wyoming only had five taps for loss in this game. But you know, it's to their credit. You know, one of the things that that Stat Broadcast puts out there in their box scores is the idea of uh, of rushing success rate and offensive success rate. So, like, just to throw the definition out there real quick. The rushing success rate they're they're defined it on their website. Everybody defines it a little bit differently, but it's defined here. Mm-hmm. as a percentage of successful rushes based on the yards needed adjusted for downs. And there wasn't that much difference between Air Force and Wyoming in the same way that there had been in the first couple of games that the Falcons played. It was 46% for Air Force, 43% for Wyoming. And then when you think in terms of total offensive success rates of running and passing, 
that really is the difference in the game where, you know, in terms of rushing success rate, Air Force came out slightly ahead on a per play basis. On the whole, though, Wyoming 38%, Air Force 33%. So it wasn't a game that was necessarily defined by a lot of big plays as much as it was, at least in terms of like Air Force being able to put the game away, just making timely plays when they needed it. Yeah, and that's what, how this game turned out to be. The, it, they didn't need a ton of points. Well, I mean, moved the ball like they were fine. But I think what we take away from this, Air Force's defense secondary is not that great. The yardage, they didn't go downfield on them. They had a couple 15, 20-yard plays, but Secondary could have stopped Andrew Peasley, who was efficient. They, they could match 18 and 23. Titus Wood had a solid game over 100 yards. Air Force has held like what they normally get 500 plus yards on the ground in two games, to average. And then they got shut down by 350. I don't think Wyoming, I'm not sure why Wyoming's deep. I know Craig Bull is good. And they face, here's it. Let me rephrase my, what I'm saying here. When we get into conference play for Air Force, these teams see them. So Air Force gashing random non conference opponents isn't too surprising. But when they get to play teams they normally face, they can sometimes have a pretty solid game plan to know it. They know, at least they know what to expect. They know what to go after, know what to tackle, know what position, to, what leverage to play, and all that type of stuff. Well, I mean, it always has a good defense. And maybe we, I admittedly will say a premature and say they're done in a bad team where they are literally at top of the mountain division right now, one and oh, three and one. And one of the teams that's like, hey, we're, we like what we're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, case in point, like you, you point to the total yardage, which I think is is a fair point. Yeah. But you know, if you again, if you look at it on a per play basis, that's another oh, area where Wyoming came out ahead. They you did, know, yes. sack adjusted rush yardage per play or per carry rather, Wyoming five point one, Air Force four point four. That's that's how you beat the Falcons right there. Yeah, and the time of possession was basically dead even, like thirty minutes a piece, I believe. Yeah. So that's also a thing, but. Is there a, what's your concern for Air Force then? Because they had to, or is it just that Wyoming figured them out sort of? Because the star players didn't show up for Air Force. Hard to say. I mean, I think what was most surprising was they weren't necessarily as disruptive on defense as I thought that they might be in this game. You know, the, the front really got pushed around. And I wonder if that was really a, a matter of Wyoming's offensive line playing at a really high level. You know, where we, we talked about Wyoming only had five TFLs in this game. Air Force only had four. Yeah, and, and Wyoming ran once, the and, it, and it's probably not a coincidence that none of them came from the defensive line. You know, one came from Trey, Trey Taylor, the safety. The other yeah. three came from the linebackers. So I have to think that if if other teams are watching this film going forward, that's something they're going to keep an eye on. Or that's something they're going to think about when they're formulating their game plan is whether they think they can go right at this Air Force front or not in the way that Wyoming was able to. Because, you know, one one guy that I don't think we've talked a lot about really through the first handful of games is Titus Swen. And part of that was that he got banged up early on. You know, he's had bruised ribs coming out of the Illinois game. But he stepped up big time in this game. You know, 19 carries, 102 yards and a score. Dwight McNeely pitched in, seven carries, 42 yards. So they, they've steadily gotten more out of their ground game, Wyoming has. And I have to wonder, like, if if other opponents are going to look at that and think to themselves, like, that's how they can beat Air Force, too. Like, you point to the cornerback situation, and I think that's, I think that's a uh, maybe a yellow flag, or not necessarily a red flag mm-hmm. for Air Force's division title hopes. Well, imagine when they play a team. Well, 
we'll, we'll get to the teams at CSU. I know Maryland's efficient, but not they already lost Marcus Dovel to the portal, Dante Wright to the portal. Boise doesn't seem to have a guy to throw to. Utah State's Logan Bonner might be benched, so they may not be that big, big a concern, but it could be just enough, like you said, the yellow flag, where the teams are facing, like New Mexico, they're not, they don't throw all that well with Miles Kendrick there, and so they might be okay and can hide that unit, but if a team, if Utah State figures out or Boise State with can protect the QB, that could be a big concern when they face those teams that want to throw more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just a, it's a little, when Wyoming goes 18 of 23, that's not good for the opposing team, even if the yardage isn't high velocity, whatever high yardage it was, it was still under 200 yard passing. So exactly. The Cowboys, they're back in at Cowboys first place to not in the division. I apologize. saying you guys are terrible. Whatever I said a couple weeks ago. Tied for first. Wait, who else is one enough? I forget. Uh, Boise State. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. They beat the New Mexico. All right. So well, next, okay. Right. A- here's, here's the other thing. One, one more thing about Wyoming real quick. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they get BYU on the road next week, but have you looked at their schedule after that? Uh, not at the moment. What do they got? If you look at their October schedule, it's all right there for them to really establish the inside track in the Mountain Division. Because you know, after after they go to Provo, they come home, they get San Jose State at home, they go on the road to New Mexico, host Utah State for the Bridger Rifle, and then they go to Hawaii for the Paniolo Trophy, and then they have the Border War, you know, after a bye week in early in mid November. Those are all winnable. It's all games. right there, man. If they can keep this up. They could make a run. So you're telling me they're going to be eight and two at that point. We're heading into November 19th. No, that is not what I'm saying. Um, possibly, right? But I'm, I mean, I mean, the possibility is there. Like you know, and again, I feel like I say this at least <laughs> once every recap podcast. Like you know, nobody has played like a lot of A plus type performances yet. So, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not declaring that Wyoming is going to go five and zero oh after you know, after going to BYU, regardless of what that result looks like. But if they keep playing like this, they're going to be much more of a threat than I thought they would be this time a month ago. Yeah, and the tougher games are at home, Utah State and San Jose State. Yes. So, all right, so Friday night was that game. Saturday, um, my timeline screwed up. So let's go, is it North Texas UNLV we're going to start with? 58-27, to Rebels roll. I still, I still so would, would it be, be more fair to say the Rebels ran away with it? Oh, oh ha, ha, ha. Yes, nah. with the... Uh, you like that? Crap. I was, my thing refreshed, and I forget who had the 227 yards. Who was the big rusher for that game? 227 uh, that yards? Would be, that would be Aiden Robbins. Louisville oh. transfer. Tw- 29 carries. Who, who, who called? We both said he's going to have a big game, and he looks pretty good after the week we had last week. Like, uh, he had company too. Doug Brumfeld went over 100 yards too. Well, actually, he didn't yeah. go over 100 yards because he had 100 yards even. Yeah, well, and a couple touchdowns himself. He probably got sacked once or twice. So that's okay. He got over 100 yards on the ground. But yeah, and even even Reese seven carries 37 yards. They North Texas. Oh, Seth Latrell's in trouble, man. But Rebels, I honestly don't recall without looking. I know they're leading the Mountain West in, comp- in scoring per game. Over fifty, or not fifty, two fifty point victory or fifty point performances, not victories. That'd be something else. Honestly, I don't recall. Do you? I don't know if you looked this up, Matt. But is it, when's the last time they scored fifty points twice in a season? It's been a long time, if ever. Twice in a season. I, I don't have that in front of me. What about once? In a season? When's the last serves, time they scored fifty points themselves? <laughs> two weeks ago or three weeks ago? 
No, I mean no, before, against against before, Idaho State. Before this year, I said, "Come on." Uh, I believe the last time I I, I believe I that, wrote about this. Wait, is um, it the Wyoming? It was UNLV triple overtime game. We found a video link to recently. 2016. Yeah, that was the it was that was the most points that they put up against an FBS opponent since that 2016 game against, against the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But this team, and I just saw some tweets. I even put out some stats. Actually, somebody retweeted it, like as a recording here, about their points and what they've been doing. Like this team, like the this team. No joke. There's there's something going on there. Marcus Rose may have figured a few things out. You don't score 50 points by accident, even playing an FCS team. You don't rush for eight yards of carry without being a better team. You, you don't just accidentally do that. Now, and, and Brumfield is extremely accurate. 211 yards, well, like maybe a touch higher if he completes 21, but still 10 yards of completion. Like this game was close in the first half, but UNLV just – Kept going and going and wore out North Texas with that running game. With it's like Charles Williams esque running back there for how many carries he gets with a good old truck wagon getting twenty something th- near, nearly thirty carries. And the second half, UNLV just boat raced them thirty five to seven. North Texas had no answer anytime they ran the ball in that second half. They did get that. They and North Texas to their credit being very aggressive because they went for it uh, multiple times in that second half, but they couldn't keep pace going forward on, what, fourth and one in the red zone on the 18, again, fourth and goal at the one. You know these defense came up big in that second half. Um, also, pick six, and it, what, two interceptions, three interceptions in this game? The two defense interceptions. Needs to, yeah, they need as much credit as the offense for stopping North Texas, because normally it's like, oh, they'll get the first down. UNLV does nothing. They can't stop anybody. But that second half where they're three and out, and then – Turnover downs, turnover downs, interception. The second half was how did how did they even get the touch? When did they? Oh, sorry, they got the touchdown that second three plays. That that was the only blemish in second half when they had that the fifty four yard TD pass on second and six. Outside of that, hmm. second half, North Texas did diddly squat and could not move the ball enough. They have got well, I think what three first downs. If I'm looking this properly in second half. Four, four first downs, not many. They were just Rebels defense stepped up big, and that's another area where, yeah, they scored 50-something points. Yeah, 27, it's kind of a lot, but not really. But it's for them, and this is just overall great performance for what they did. The rush, they held the rushing down pretty well. No huge running plays. They had a couple for North Texas. A couple guys had 70-plus yards. But I guess the, my biggest clip would be those deep passes that they allowed. Like they had a three over thir- four 35 yard pass compl- attempts, or excuse me, three passes, three receptions against them for over 35 yards. That's the biggest clip they had where, where they didn't do well. They only gave up one sack. Like overall, this team, one of the best performances in years in a very long time. Yeah. I mean, on defense, they definitely gave as well as they got. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Because nearly half of, of North Texas's passing yards came on those three plays you mentioned, you know, Roderick yeah. Burns, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, Marquise Gums and, and what's his name? Uh, Jair Shorter. You yeah. know, those through their three longest catches went for 131 yards. Considering Austin Ani had 305 yards, that's basically, you know, 43% on three plays right there. So they'll obviously, you know, want to tighten that up at some point. But I think on the other hand, you know, you also look at the, the fact that they had two interceptions, the defense played well. Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself, yeah, this is the Rebels team that on the whole has looked much better 
than we've seen them look in a long time. And, you know, even, even in the close loss to Cal, it wasn't, it wasn't like bad process or anything like that. It's just, you know, they had chances to try and, you know, tie the game, put the game away and just didn't get that break they were looking for. And then this game, they came out, they, you know, established what they needed to. They were able to have a balanced offense and explosive offense again. Yeah, they held the two short field goals. That's part of it too. Like the long field goal was only 31 yards. There was an 89 yard uh, kick return. So, but that's not great. But the defense overall, like when it came down to pressure, like those fourth down plays and holding them to red zone field goals, that's that's a big deal. Defense, this is a more, again, more than, yeah, 27 points, whatever. But for a team that's been not very good for as long as they have been bad, like this is one, this is a great thing for Marcus Roy to see going. Brumfield looks great at QB. Found all his receivers. Kyle Williams is not the only guy out there. They have uh, what's his name? Uh, Ricky White had another TD. Just spread it around a little bit. That's the only thing. But it's Williams and White show out there. And Noah Williams had one. It's like this team is, um, or excuse me, Nick Williams. My, I don't know why I said Noah Williams. My bad. But yeah, there's not much to say. I put them in the bowl projection this week because they totally deserve it. Two of the one. Yeah, and and now all of a sudden they go to Logan this week. Favored on the road. Is much bigger deal than it would have looked on the schedule when, when you know when we were coming in, into the season in August. Like it's gonna they got a big opportunity ahead of them to really establish themselves in the Mountain West race. Serious question, not joking one bit. Cal played Notre Dame 24-17 and lost. You know. FPI currently has UNLV at Notre Dame. Whatever, no to no trade, I don't care. 92.4% chance to win. Also, the game's on Peacock, and I now have Xfinity, so I got a free version, so I can watch that if I want to. Would you give what percent? Is that game going to be close? Does no Dame doesn't scare anybody. Marcus Freeman finally got a win and barely beat whoever they beat the past week. Was, I don't think it's a good team they played. Is there a fighting chance they could beat, you know, the Fighting Irish? It was Cal. That's the that's beat. Yeah, Cal by touchdown. Can the, can I mean, that, that, game's a, that game's a ways away. I know. I'm just saying. I'm looking but, ahead. But, but Notre, Dame, Notre Dame ain't scaring anybody on offense. That's the point. New quarterback. Cause got, I think they got benched or injured. I forget. I haven't looked too much into it. They, and they, they'll get beat up. They get UNC next week. That's lots of points. BYU's above average team. Stanford's not great. But I'm just saying, like, I'm giving them – it's not going to walk in and be 40 to 10 defeat for UNLV. I'm just saying. Well, I, I hear what you're saying. Okay. All right. So we move on. Anything else you want to add to this, this awesome game? Okay. Oh, no, I got one more question for you. I know it's early. Okay. And I'm going to pep, pepper random questions at you one more. If Marcus Arroyo gets him to a bowl game, is he automatically the coach of the year? I think you have to give him really strong consideration. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Unless Timmy Chang rolls off like seven in a row somehow. I don't know. Hmm. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Uh, we'll get to them later. All right, let's move on to the next game. Where are we going next year? What's your choice of preference? Uh, you know what? Let's go in order. We'll go to Boise State 30, Tennessee Martin 7. We the least about- impressive 30-7 to 7 victory ever. 
as my side comes to audibly as I was meant to be. Um, do I have to give George Lonnie any credit for how many yards he got in this game? Because he did get 110 yards. Can I still say no? Because the offensive line is terrible still and not good. I mean, he was he was all right. I mean, a third of his yards came on one carry. Yeah, that's, they'll count. Yeah. I mean, he he was fine. I don't know what to make of this team because Bogmar is reasonably efficient. A couple of TDs. Yeah, Holani was fine. They spread the ball around to a million people. Holani, well, I guess I'll give Holani more. I should not be too mean a college kid. He did have almost 50 yards and a touchdown receiving as well. So overall, he did fine. So I was kind of half kidding. But Boise's rush defense is good. Pass defense is fine. But nothing. Like, yeah, it was 30 to 7. But it's like that third quarter was boring as crap. And I'm like, I'm not watching this anymore. Like, yeah, no points. They had a fumble. There was. Oh, sorry, that, that's first half. The first half, first plays of the second half were punt, 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 six punts, then a field goal, then a touchdown. It was still you, you reasonably. Want to know what the most, you want to know what the most impressive thing about George Hawley was on Saturday? What was that? That he had to shake like one or two UTM defenders on a, a, a not insignificant number of his carries just to get like two or three yards. That's not good. The offensive because line, man. That offensive line is down bad, man. I'm telling you for years, Boise's just a random team now. I don't care. They're just a team. And they did well enough to win, and their defense played extremely well against an FCS team here. I'm not saying they need to yeah, win. Because, and that's 10. why you, you look you look at it and you know they're you know, yeah, Hawani had a very good game, but still if you even it after you adjust for, for sacks, even after you adjust for sacks, Boise State still averaged only three point six yards per carry. Oh, that's so bad. So bad. And 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 Hank Bachmeyer, despite the fact that you know he had a pretty decent game altogether, eighteen and twenty-five, two hundred four yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, that's that's. Fine. You know, he gets he gets knocked out of the game. Yep. And then there's the uh, the reaction that sort of raised a lot of eyebrows among the beat writers at the game at Albertson Stadium, cheering for Tailing Green when he came into the game. He's the guy. I'm telling you. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. That's not cool, though, is it? To cheer when he comes in? No, not if it's for injury-wise. No, no. Were they cheering? Because I tuned out of this game for a while. Were they cheering when he got hurt or cheering when he came in? So, okay. So, that's my two different sense, that's two my different sense from the framing, from from the from beat writers, I think, like, you know, uh, Jay Tust, you know, BJ Reigns, those guys up there. Yeah. I got the sense that it, the, the, the explicit framing – was that they were cheering for Taylor Green as in, in a in a finally he's seeing the field kind of way. It could have been that they were cheering for Bachmeyer, you know, being able to, you know, get off, you know, get off the field under his own power or whatnot. But nobody framed it that way. I didn't see, so I unfortunately because I didn't They framed it more as a reaction to Green finally taking the field than they did for Bachmeyer being able to get off the field. And I think that there's a substantial difference in that. There is, because if he cheered, it's almost like the, similar to what Gary Anderson, sorry, I keep saying Gary Anderson, Blake Anderson, Utah State fans. Kind of, I get, I get the point, like, don't cheer because the guy is leaving the game because he's hurt. You can, it's, it, it, I, don't, I didn't see it, so I, it's, I don't want to speak for somebody else's situation, but I see your point where, here's the situation, Bachmar got, got hurt, left the game, Taylor Green comes in. What are you cheering for? Like, like you said, you're cheering because he's coming into play. The Bachmeyer is able to get up and walk, leave the field, okay, reasonably okay. Or are you cheering because good, he's finally out of there, and we want this guy in. 
or you're cheering because, hey, it's a new quarterback who wants to play. Neither, most of those don't look very good on your on your fan base, right? No. The only one is like, oh, good, Bakamar is off the field because he's, he's he can, he's, oh, it's, you know how it is. You cheer when people, oh, they're off the field. You walk off your own power, you're carried, or you, whatever. You get to give a thumbs up, you cheer for that. I didn't see this explicitly, so I don't want to guess. But in my rationale, based on knowing any sort of fan, it probably was more in favor of good. Let's see what Taylor Green can do. Mm-hmm. Over Bachmeyer. Oh, you're not oh, but like you mean, oh, you're walking off or you're I mean, off it the, was, getting up off the field. It was it was enough that Bachmeyer's teammates called out the fans about it on Twitter after the game. Okay. You know, Jill guessing... Skinner comes to mind immediately. Okay, that makes that's fine. That makes sense. And I I I definitely could go along with that because sometimes fans, fans are dumb and stupid. They they don't whatever, they yeah, it's not a good look if that's what the case was. And that's what and again, I didn't see it, so I'm not gonna speak too much, but players out there noting the time of the cheers of Talon coming in and Bachmeyer leaving or but whatever vice versa would have been. It's not or like I said, they're like the only good reason to cheer in that situation is, is oh Bachmeyer can walk off and get off on his own or he's being helped off and he gives a wave or something. This doesn't seem from a description you have given me that's not the case. I mean and it marred a pretty pretty good um excuse me a pretty good defensive performance overall. Well, yeah, you know, because they, they limited you they limited UT Martin to only 3.2 yards per play, one of 11 on third downs. You know, they, they only one turnover, but they forced three fumbles in the game. Six TFLs, a sack, yeah. Dominant defensive performance by the Broncos, and once again. I never I never bring this up. James Ferguson Reynolds, three punt, four punts, three inside the 20. Just saying. Good job. Give the kicker so, some credit, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the defense played great. The special teams was on point. Yeah. Offense, more the same as usual, gnashing of teeth among Boise State fans on Twitter and all that. The 110 so, yards was very much earned by George Fani, and then the cold bath afterwards, he sat in to figure things out and rest. So, you know, I think they've definitely shown enough to, to think that they're going to be a major player in conference play. But they're, I don't think them or anybody else is is a runaway favorite now that we're three games, four games into the season. There is you know, no they're, runaway favorite. They're going to have to work for it just as much as anybody else. There is no runaway favorite. They go to UTEP yeah. next week who they should easily take care of. So there's mm-hmm. that. Then San Diego State, Fresno, Air Force, that's a decent stretch. They got BYU mixed in near the end at Wyoming, Utah State. So they're they're doing fine, like. We're not nit- the only nitpicking is that they had to earn. They had to actually earn on offense these yards on the ground. That's a concern because that's what we've been seeing the past month, and even going back to last year, where they just the line. It's whether it's injury or just rotating guys or whatever. It's just not getting it done. They had to work too hard to get those 123 total yards. So yeah. All right. Um, I moved off the main page. Are we doing uh, New Mexico next? Uh, no, let's let's turn to Colorado State. Oh, do we have to? At least for a moment. Sorry, I keep clicking off the my page of all the the combined. I've got words. I've got the order right here. Don't worry. So, yeah, Washington and, State and, thirty-eight, Colorado State seven. Undefeated Washington State Cougars. Are they really? Oh, that's right. I thought I, I, for some reason, for a brief moment, I thought they lost to Idaho. But you're right. Oh, it was a struggle. It was a struggle for the Idaho game, the you know that uh, Pacific Northwest rivalry matchup, the, the uh, Vandals and the Cougs. Uh, Clay Millen is completing. I do like how people hop into mentions where he's what is he completing that seventy percent of his passes or something? Seventy one point eight percent. What's his downfield average? Not very good though. I don't think. Right. Uh, uh, no. 
<laughs> hey, get the young in a conference. I don't care how you get the yards. That's why, honestly, they needed Dante Wright to before he transferred those short quick passes. But now we, I guess we get to as well. Stove Mark Marcus Stovall is transferred as well for some reason. Melquin Stovall, excuse me. Um well he hasn't transferred, they just said that he's left the team. Is he in the portal? He I don't think he's officially in the portal just yet. Interesting. Good clarification there. I so many copper DM, DMs like, well, he's getting passed up by these guys on the roster. I'm like, well, he still had five for tw- five for thirty one in this game, so that's a concern. Like Millen will get yeah, there. And, and to, to answer your question, you know, he was he was twenty four of thirty four overall. Uh, only had four passes down the field, two of four down the field, you know, 13 of 16 screen passing. So at or behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. He did not have a lot of time to operate. That's part of it too. Which was not altogether different from his experience against both Michigan uh, and Middle Tennessee. So like he's doing best he can, but man, man, they got, they got to protect him and they just can't do it. Seven he, more sacks in this game. Yeah. Well, TFLs. Running game doesn't help because it's really bad. And again, like I'm half kidding the David Carr Texan situation. Like this is tough for a young guy to keep getting his head smashed in every time. They the, cruel, to, the cruel irony, by the way, yes. of 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 former Nevada Wolfpack linebacker Diane Henley. Oh, okay. 13 tackles, three sacks in this game, two forced fumbles. Yeah, Millen had three fumbles in this game. He was fortunate that he only lost one of them. That's tough. Yeah. I mean, to your point, like I remember those I remember those David Carr Texans just as well as you do as a Fresno yeah. State fan. So Tony Baselli, you, you definitely years old have a point there. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, yeah a, you definitely have yeah. a point. Like it, it's gotta get fixed at some point, but, but I mean, give him credit for taking you know, taking shots, I just don't know how many how, how many weeks he's going to be able to withstand that without a little bit of help. Like, he didn't get anything hits. from the ground game. Does PFF really? do QB hits or anything? Do, you, are you, do they track that? I mean, probably. I only pay for, <laughs> I only pay for like, the minimum package. Um, I don't know. I don't pay for it. I don't know. I haven't gone that deep besides, like, they got a free draft kick a couple years ago. But I'm just wondering. Like, they're, they're trying to set him up with easy throws where their receivers can get yards after the catch, and it kind of sort of worked in this game. You know, because uh, you know, Jalen Thomas plays. turned, yeah. you know, Jalen Thomas had five catches, 51 yards, but you know, oddly enough, he had 59 yards after the catch. So, like, they were they were trying to get him the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, same with Torrey Horton, five catches, 45 yards. 29 after the catch, uh, you know, Ty McCulloch, four for 57, 27 mm-hmm. yards. So, like, you kind of get a sense of what they're trying to do. It's just not all there. And because it's not all there on, on either side of the ball, really, they just don't have a chance. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, And then he can't do what – think of what, what Coach Norvell wants to do, like some of the downfield passing he did with Nevada. They can't be done. If you're not being protected – they need to and like play action won't work if you can't run the ball well. Like maybe you got to do rollouts, do screen. I don't know. Like doing what they're doing. I I think Norvell's and the staff is doing what they can do to get release the ball, but it's still out of thirty five pass attempts, he completed twenty five. Seven other times he's tackled to the ground, or at least I mean like whatever running too. It's like he also had technically thirteen carries. How, okay, I have a weird question or weird observation. Mm-hmm. Thirteen carries. Zero yards, long of 11, seven sacks. How did he say positive yardage rushing the ball <laughs> with seven sacks? That's pretty impressive. 
Just yeah, it's just there, there's really not a lot going right for this team right now. You know, the secondary yeah. got picked on. You know, Cameron Ward was able to attack down the field pretty much at will. Figure we talked about yeah. how how many we talked about how many screen passes Millen threw. You know, mid range passing, so from from five to fourteen yards down the field, Ward was ten of fifteen for one hundred and sixty nine yards. Yeah, and he was four of six on deep throws for seventy nine yards. So like they were able to attack this defense without a lot of resistance. He's figuring things out there in Pullman. Finally, it took a minute. And, and to his credit, Muhammad Kamara having another big game again. You know, one and a half sacks in this game. You mm-hmm. CJ Onyechi had a couple tackles for loss. They just don't have enough around that either. There is not. So man, all right, let's move on to the next game here. Is this the game that ended up five a.m. Eastern, whatever it was? I don't know if it was that late, um, but I, I did stay up and I did watch a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of this game. Uh, so just after midnight. 27, <laughs> Nevada 0. I took the under and won some money, so thank you for that. And I took a lot. I inadvertently, you know what's funny? I placed a couple of bets. I'm like, all right, take the under. Why not? I accidentally took, it was luckily as a single bet because I did a couple of parlays that didn't go well. So I inadvertently took Iowa to cover. I'm like, oh, crap. I meant to pick Nevada to cover. So I ended up winning two bets out of the three. So that's always helpful <laughs> when you actually mm-hmm. use the wrong one. But yeah, 27 0. Like, Iowa. I thought Nate Cox was the quarterback. What happened? What's up with Shane Illingworth? I thought that was a. I thought they were Nate Cox. Did they? You thought it was settled. Yeah, I thought it was settled. But like this team, like Dante Lee can't run the ball. I always here's the thing. Iowa's defense is like legit the best out there. Their offense is just trash, and that's a problem for them. However, they still had a hundred rusher. Um, Shane Petra, Spencer Petras is not very good, but still had a touchdown. Did was whatever, not great. But I want Nevada, not, not what I mean. Nevada just cannot move. Like, I watched a little bit, then I saw the delay. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm not coming back to this game. Because Nevada's like, they forced some punts. Like, the first quarter, first, there's 14 0, whatever. But the interception really killed them. Um, that, the, that I would have that short field within what, 40 yards or something. But then, like, it just, they punt, 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 it's all Iowa's defense. Like I get it, Nevada. I didn't expect Nevada's offense to do all that great because they're six and eighteen on third downs. They converted the only first to fourth down they had under three yards per pass. That's not good. Under two yards per rush, also not good. They were never in this game, which it's hard. I didn't think they win, but I figured they might break through a little bit. But I, I'm not too concerned about Nevada. I just got. I thought the quarterback was settled. I saw Illingworth in there. I'm like, what's going on? But they could pass better. 14 completions for 82 yards. I'm like, give me a break. And I get coming back in that mid-third quarter where it's like two fans in the stadium after midnight local time started again. This game is just hard to – you can't take much away from this game. The first half, yeah, you can see what's going on. But the team just wanted to run a clock out in the second half because what are we doing here? We're down 20 points. No. Miserable experience, in my opinion. This had to be like one of the – yeah, you get shut out, but just a playing experience waiting around for four hours. Who would want to go back and play a game after that? I'm like, no, get me out of here. So I don't take – Here's a fun, here's a fun statistic this. for you. What do we got? <laughs> Iowa got two-thirds of their total offense on just eight plays. I think if I was Nevada and I'm reviewing the film in, 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 in practice this week, I think that's probably the one thing I'm most disappointed by that's because I think points. that's where the, the yards per play gets a little bit deceptive because, you know, if you just look at the per play average, it's 5.5, which it seems pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the most part, like, you know, oh, how many plays did Iowa run? They they run, excuse me, they ran 61 plays. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying they got 70% of their yardage on eight plays, then without, I mean, I'm not going to do the math for you, but basically that just means, you know, they had 100 total yards of offense on 50 some odd other plays. So Two it's plays. not like they were necessarily blowing Nevada out of the water. Like Tory Taylor got a lot of work in this game too. Yeah. Um, two plays in a 55 yard run by uh, Caleb Johnson. And then mm-hmm. uh, Nico Regini had a 46 yard reception. Two plays went over a hundred yards. Just like, yeah. So, I mean, it, like I, it's, it's sort of like a miniature version of some of the, some of the pastings that we've seen other teams take against really good power five teams this year. Yeah. I think we're going to learn a lot more, you know, because they, you know, Nevada has to, you know, recuperate quick because they go to Air Force this week and, and Mountain West play is, is upon them. Yeah. So, and, you know, same that we just talked about a, a little bit ago with UNLV and Utah State being important. You know, Nevada's got to find a way to sort of revisit some of its early momentum and see if they can pick it up against an Air Force team that's going to be looking at its own wounds. We'll see, man. They got to pass the ball better if they're going to get that win. But yeah, it's, it's, the first half is what I look at the most in this game, just because it was just a weird scenario. Game started, I think, what, 5 30 local time? Is that something like that? Ended at 1 a.m., 1 30 a.m.? Or 2 yeah. a.m., I think, local time. It was like a, yeah, it was that, like, honestly, I'd be miserable if that's the case. Like, coach, get me out of here. I'm, give me a bus ride. I'll be, I'll beat you back. Right and at least, right? It was, it was like, because I was listening to the athletic podcast, they're one of their college football ones with uh, Andy Staples, and they did a, which I'm surprised, like they did a quick little, literally five minutes or maybe eight minutes before their full podcast, because they record late Sunday night. Mm-hmm. They mentioned like 2.40 Central Time. I'm like, who, what are you guys doing? Like, go to bed. Like, <laughs> what are you, why get up for five minutes? Let's not judge, okay? I'm just saying, but that late in the night when the game was already in doubt, just because they have some weird finish with Iowa, it's like, come on. It's, I take it life, but that is their life, but which I don't complain. But it's just a, in my opinion, I'd like some sleep if that's the case. Like it's weird. I don't know. All right, next game. Where are we going to next year? New Mexico twenty-seven, UTEP ten. Break up the Lobos two and one. Yeah, they're uh, UTEP is literally bad. Like losing like guys to the portal when they were good last year sucks, and that's gonna be yeah. They thing. just don't have that same that same magic that they had last year. Lose one of the best receivers in the country to Arizona. And it's like I was mm-hmm. talking with the guys from 1420 Hawaii. Like, so why is it so like we we're talking about every game? Like, it's the league's not a mess, but it's just convoluted and there's not really a great team. It's like part of it is a portal where guys can just up and go, which is fine. I like the player movement, but it's going to make it hard to gel. And if you're a team that's not very good and you have a really good player, they can just up and go and hopefully it works for them. And that makes it difficult, but that's kind of what UTEP's going through a little bit. Um, Mexico did fine. Like Miles Kendrick finally got over 50%. They don't need him to throw a ton, only at 111 yards. But Lobos had a good first half. Like they defense shut the UTEP down to only three points. Um, they got the uh pick six as well, which is huge on the what that second play of the drive for the uh to go up 10 to three. Multiple interceptions. Like the defense stepped up and did well in this game, and they made plays like stopping UTEP on on fourth down and multiple occasions i think yeah it's, yeah i mean it was really it was really a story of, of two different halves where where new mexico sort of had to win in two different ways because in the first half when they built that 20 to 3 lead it was it was in part because both sides of the ball were were sort of firing on all cylinders 
Yeah, they outgained the miners by basically a three to one margin in terms of total yardage, you know, two seventeen to seventy six. You know, case point six point two yards per play in the first half. Like that's yeah. pretty good. Like it, you know, the the third downs, which was you know something in common in both halves. You know, they were only two of eight in the first half, one of seven in the, in the second half. So it wasn't like they were necessarily blowing people away, even when they were moving the ball early. Yeah. And but then in the second half. You know, they were able to battle the the miners to a seven seven draw, but don't forget, like they out they got outgained by a by over a three to one margin in the second half too. UTEP put up over two hundred and seventy seven yards of offense in that half. But what New Mexico did was one, they held the miners to zero four on third downs themselves, and two, they forced five turnovers in the second half. Including one of the plays of the young season, you know, AJ Halsey running down the UTEP receiver, you know, to punch out the ball at the one yard line for a touchback. You know, you you look at that second half drive chart in particular for UTEP. Honestly, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. You know, they get the, they get the opening kickoff in the third quarter, and it goes fumble, turnover on downs, turnover on downs, fumble, interception, fumble, touchdown interception hmm. it was a remarkable performance by Rocky Long's defense yeah they're figuring things out there in Albuquerque and they got to pick like I said, multiple not just a bunch but turnover on down as you mentioned forcing fumbles interceptions pick six like they're out there they're out there being dudes and doing great things where they had also five TFLs three sacks like they're I know UTEP's not good and they had to play two quarterbacks here Hardison it was 19 of 44 <laughs> It took them a lot. It took them a lot of throws to get that 280 yards. The rush defense was amazing. Yeah, like they kept trying to do the exact same thing that made them so successful last year, which is why you know UTEP got you know a little more ground in the second half, especially than they did in the first. You know, they had basically yeah. one big play in the first half, Tyrant and they had seven player. in the second half. You know, two, two totaling 226 total yards. Mm-hmm. But that's where you look at what you know. It took them 45 pass attempts. To get to 299 yards, That's and it cool. wasn't without all those turnovers too. So, yeah. yeah, they get you know they New Mexico absorbed some body blows in the second half, but you know they bounced back every single time and made more plays on defense than they allowed. You know, Cody Moon had a couple of sacks. You know, they had nine more pass breakups. Like I, I didn't even look up you know who's you know leading the the Mountain West in pass breakups right now. But I'm almost certain that New Mexico's up there if they aren't at the top right now. Like as a team? Like they've just been playing, like the secondary especially, has been playing exceptionally well. Dante Martin had had another interception, had two more pass breakups. We need to start talking about him in particular as a defensive player of the year candidate. Because that's exactly the way that he's playing so far. Who Who was that you said? I didn't catch your name. Dante Martin. Okay, done. Okay, that's what I thought. Dante Martin. Yeah. So, so your question to answer it, they are by far and away leading the conference in eight pass defense defended passes defended. How do you say that per game? At eight, eighteen pass breakups, which is three more than Fresno and four more than Hawaii, and twenty four passes defended. So yeah, they are getting their hand. and six. Also, oh, BTW six interceptions, which is second. Okay, I'll give you. Okay, do you know who leads the conference in interceptions? You'll never guess it. Nevada. Yeah, is it Air Force? Nevada. Oh yeah, well yeah, that, I knew that. <laughs> we you didn't answer. Answer they wrong. Couple, they had a couple of yeah. I just that's a great part. 
He's like, oh, I knew that. Well, yeah, that's fine. I am surprised by that, but they're up there interceptions. Like they, Mexico defense, they're they're going places. I know it's UTEP, but and they gave up some really big plays. But that's here's the thing: is like teams like the, the UNLV is like, oh, these one score games. They find they're finally breaking through. They're two and one. I don't quite have New Mexico bowling yet because it'll be difficult. They got one. They get UN or excuse me, LSU, which will be a bloodbath, unfortunately. They, but they could win games like New Mexico State. They could win. They UNLV New Mexico is going to be very intriguing just because of how bad the teams have been, and they're both taking a step up. They got to go to Utah State. They got to go to Air Force. They go to CSU. They could. They might get to four or five wins here, possibly, and that would be a nice improvement for them. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing to keep an eye on is that you have the offense still kind of pedestrian, especially after that first half. You know, in terms yeah. of total yardage, they did get they did get outgained in this game. You know, even though on a per play basis, it wasn't really that huge of a of a margin. You know, they only uh, they only had four point seven yards for play on offense, though. So, yeah. again, not down, not a hundred percent type, not a, not like a 99th percentile type performance. But there's enough things going well for them in over the first handful of games to think that they should be able to make some noise in conference play. Like they'll have to get through LSU first, and that's probably not going to be easy. No. Um, you know, we'll talk about more. We'll talk about that more in a couple of days. But after that. You know, they could trip somebody up. Like they I think they've shown enough to be able to to think that. Yeah. The only like the offense, one more thing. Three of fifteen on third down, not good, obviously. But again, they forced seven turnovers. They're plus five. Plus five in this game. Pretty good. Plus. All right, so now to go to the San Diego State drama that's happening right there in uh in uh good old Snapdragon. Or I guess uh Utah thirty five, San Diego State seven. Not even that close, buddies. I'm sorry. It guys. did not feel that close. Um, we have news of there's multiple there's quarter there's a quarterback situation brewing out there in Southern California. Um, Braxton Murbeister left the game, got poked in the eye or something, had to leave in the first quarter. In comes Will Haskell, out comes Will Haskell. Kyle Crum comes in. Will Haskell is now debating to go to the portal, and I know we're looking ahead, but that's why I'm bringing this context. All three played. Haskell is pulled for inefficiency. Crum, I know he had the one TD pass in the game. Um. But Haskell is debating, like, retro freshman, I guess, with COVID year and all that stuff. He still has three years of eligibility. He missed – this might be like a Stovall situation where he's not at practice and could leave the team. So that would hinder them depth. We'll see. And Brady Oak said, we'll see after practice. he got some things to try to figure out. Told him to take a day and come see me in the morning, which is good. Don't make a decision, like, ASAP, like, I'm out of here or whatever. It's kind of uh, – maybe take a beat to see what the deal is. But Burmeister is expected to start for the next game. Mm-hmm. But as for this game, okay. Well, yeah, here's a question though. Yes. Do you even want him to at this point? Want him to stay? Do you want him to start? Who? Because it's not like he, it's not like he was impressing again when he was actually no. on the field. Only one of four. Which again, it's a like, small sample size. And it's but, a really good defense too. They're facing. But I hear you. I mean, this offense is a mess, man. Like they, they didn't even get the benefit of the same kind of explosiveness from the ground game that they saw against Idaho State, which is what I was worried about. That was the thing Utah wanted to focus on because last year they got gashed by Greg Bell on the ground when they lost in triple overtime to the Aztecs. And I think also yeah, the and, and they like did, a they did have to play too. this game. They did have to play this game without Chance Bell, but I don't think that explains everything. No, Utah had seven. They TFLs just got and two they sacks. just got blown out of the water on both sides of the ball. Yeah, they like Utah didn't even run the ball very well in this game. Like 
Tavian Thomas only had 59 yards. Chris Curry, unfortunately, had a season-ending injury like in the first carry of the game. We had to be carried off the field. Um, the they, they were fine. Like Utah finding the receivers, which they did, but they still had their top two guys. Two of the top three guys were tight ends as usual. But ASICs have – here's the thing. A lot, I'm looking a lot on Twitter looking at the uh, what people ASICs are saying. And this is like an old, an old Steve Spurrier saying where it's like, it's not the kid's fault if you're out there. It's my fault for putting you in that situation. They need, and the majority of the things we saw, and you probably saw on Twitter too, they don't blame Burmeister. They don't blame Crum or Haskell, whatever. They blame the freaking offensive coordinator who doesn't call plays to help this team be successful. They have one of the best receivers, Jesse Matthews, one catch for 15 yards. I know it's not everything with how much, how much pressure and QB hurries there were and you're ro- rotating three quarterbacks due to one injury and one inefficiency. Well, Haskell only threw the ball one time and got pulled. One for one for a yard. What is that line? Like, Karam had the TD, but they they couldn't throw the ball. They don't trust anybody to throw the ball. And when they can't run the ball, they're really a bad team, and their defense is not as good as it typically being. And Utah did – like, look at the yardage Utah put up. Yeah, Cam Rising had four touchdown passes, but it took him – he was 18 to 30 in 224. That's nothing amazing. That's just – okay, that's whatever. That's like – above pedestrian for not including the touchdowns. Right? I mean, it took, him a, while, it took him a little while to get going. And then yeah, once he a, got going, basically in the second, it was like the first quarter and then everything else. Second quarter. like you know, In the, in yeah, the first it, quarter, he was only, what, four of 12? No, he wasn't very good. They tried to go for the fourth down. They didn't get it on the fourth and three, like which is a pass that didn't go to Mike, Mika Bernard. It was incomplete. But yeah, they did to work for it. But once they did, it's like, okay, game over now. Those touchdowns, seven plays, 77 yards, nine plays, 82 yards. And then how did they get the ball back? They went, uh, is it a fumble or something? I'm trying to recall. Shoot. They went four plays for 27 yards. Is that a, I don't recall. Is that a, shoot, I can't, for some reason I'm blanking on what it was. It just gives them possessions back to back. I think, I think they fumbled or something. I think that's what it was. But that was the game right there. We're not 21 at halftime. There's no coming back from that. And then the first possession. In the second quarter, interception for San Diego State. That led to a touchdown. It's it's not great for the Aztecs, man. It is not great, and that's being nice. We again, I said it like here's what Utah's doing too, because these teams are fairly similar what they want to do, honestly. They wanna throw the Utah wants to throw a ball a little bit more. But Kyle Whittingham finally relented and said, all right, Andy Ludwig, after me going through 10 offensive coordinators in like 10 years, no, not a hyperbole, basically, the exact number might be off one or two years. Andy Ludwig, who's an OKOC, who we've seen around when he's at Utah, San Diego State, he's been in Indiana, he's been all these places. He's just been a fine OC, nothing amazing, nothing great. But Whittingham is letting him, you do your thing and allow you to throw the ball. we got some elite tight ends. I don't think Brady Hook wants to do that. They won't allow the offense to do anything. It's like, well, we'll run the ball well, and I guess we'll pass if we need to. They were 7 of 21 for 60, 60 yards, Matt. This team is not good. When they can't run the ball, they are bad. Their defense is not great either at the moment. Speaking of not great. Uh-oh. What do you got? USC 45, Fresno State 17. Man, I was ho- very hopeful for this game, but then I thought like down early. And what was it? 14 0, 17, whatever. Um, so just started backwards. Jay Kaner had an ankle injury, correct? High ankle sprain. High ankle sprain. No TBD on his time of being away. He 
wasn't great in TD interception, just under 50%, just over 50%, excuse me. Um, five looked good though, man. 11 of 12. That's efficient there. That's not bad, but no points. Yeah, I mean, and he, not, he was okay. I'm just saying he 11 of 12, 11 of 12, man. I'll take that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like the drives really went anywhere, though. <laughs> no, I know, I get it. No, they did not. He'll, like, no, I no, I get it. Like, he was like 10 yards to pass, but it was a bunch of the, the fumbles, and missed field goals, turnover and downs, two, two multiple turnover and downs. This was a, a tough game, man. It was, USC's really good. Defense played better than I thought. Yeah, I as, it, as it turns out, USC's offense is, in fact, very good. Well, I knew that. But I figured, I figured. Well, no, no, there, if, there were people out there that thought that the Bulldogs might be able to you know, make one or two stops and win a track meet. And now, I mean, in retrospect, other, other than the injuries, like we didn't even mention Evan Williams either. And I think, you know, the, this, yeah. his particular status is a little murkier than Hainer's is, you know, both yeah. of them were on crutches, but it seems like they think that Hainer might be back. Like a high ankle brain is typically like what, six to eight weeks. Potentially. At least I'd say at least I'd say about a month would be a conservative baseline. Yeah, you know, to my knowledge, they haven't said anything about Evan Williams and his particular status. For, you know, for you know, they're off this coming week, and then they go to UConn, but so you know, they haven't really left. given any indication as to what is going to happen with him. Yeah. So, I I don't know that there was necessarily much about this game that surprised me. You know, Caleb Williams, of course, had a very good game. That's not terribly surprising. You know, two different running backs went over a hundred yards. You know, Jordan Addison had a very good game. Mario Williams had a very good game. Or, excuse me, Max Williams. But, I mean, losing losing those two impact players all of a sudden throws a lot of things in in terms of, like, how you you look at the Mountain West conference race. That all of a sudden looks much different. It it goes for the whole weekend because this game, it's like, I get it. It's... I figured be, I was almost not categorical, but I think they can keep it within 10 points. But USC's defense is a bit better than we thought. Even though, give credit to Jordan Mims had over 100 yards rushing with a big 40 yarder, yarder. That is one positive thing. They had a couple big runs on the ground, which is not too shocking for the USC defense, but it didn't really amount to much of anything. But that's, if we all look at a couple of good things in this game, they ran the ball pretty well in some big plays they had. So that there's that, I guess, if we want to kind of be positive. The third down wasn't good. They had to go for the fourth down. Like five yards of rush, it's fine. But yeah, going forward, like through a whole season, the conference, it's like who did you fill your part? Well, 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 we'll do it now because who I beat Duquesne, that's fine, good for them. Who did you put number one? I still went Fresno State, but I'm not comfortable with that at all. I almost put one uh, number I just s- because I still have Air Force number one. Okay, still have Air Force. Okay, I put them number two. I guess if I counted for injuries, maybe I should have put Air Force or put Fresno not number one, but. I don't know, man. It's non-conference play is tough, but all the injuries and a couple wacky results. It's like, like honestly, why not put you and you and Alina one? They scored fifty points in two of their three games. They're the best technically and factually the best scoring offense in the conference at the moment. Yeah, but they haven't. I mean, North Texas is underwhelming, and I Idaho know, State is saying. Idaho State. That's what I'm saying. Like, who's the good then? Like, we don't know. Like, scoring 50 points is still good, but I don't know who's that. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of throwing – not that I would. I'm just tossing stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add to this game, or are you just like, whatever, my team lost, let's move on? No, I think we're probably fine. <laughs> yeah, on. there's – I was hoping to be closer. That's all my, my last thought would be. So, Duquesne loses to Hawaii. Hawaii ekes out a victory. 
They just scored 10 points in the fourth quarter to win 24-14. It's going to be a long season for Hawaii, but I don't care. Um, offense was um, abysmal. Is that a good way to put it, Matt? Not good? Bad? They got outgamed by Duquesne nearly 2-1. to one. <laughs> It's so terrible. Is that what we're going to which, which, again, on a per-play basis, the margin is not that wide. But also the fact that Wyoming, or excuse me, Hawaii only averaged four yards of play, probably not a great sign. Yeah. Defense played well, three interceptions. The defense awesome. played really well. You know, they, they, three interceptions. you know, they, they made sort of their situations count, especially when their backs were against the wall. And I think nothing really you know, expresses that better than the fact that Duquesne had four trips into the red zone, same as Hawaii did. And only got six points out of it, you know, two field goals where, where Hawaii in their four trips got 17 points. And that was basically the difference in the game. Boom. Yeah. So you know, the, the Warriors really survived, I guess you might say another sloppy offensive performance, still no passing touchdowns. How many games is so, this now? Uh, that would be four games in a row. And so I, I was curious to see if there had been any other Mountain West teams that had gone four straight weeks in a row without a passing touchdown um, and, and not, not, not counting like option offenses, like air force essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if my research is correct, and I have no idea if anybody else is going to do this research more than one too, but I believe that Hawaii was the first mountain West team since San Diego state in 2001 to go four straight games with at least 20 pass attempts and zero passing touchdowns in each one. All right then. <sighs> what are we? What are they gonna do there in Hawaii, Matt? They're gonna. They're, I mean, honestly, lean on lean on Dedrick Parson, who's continued to have a, a quietly is still a pretty good year. Eleven carries, fifty-eight yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, good enough. And you you hope that the defense can sort of hold on to some of its gains because it wasn't like they were you know, a, a totally blank slate on that side of the ball. So some of the veterans have continued to play well. You know, last week, Bless Mantala had one of the few highlights when he had a sack against Michigan. This week, Panay Pavihi really shut the door with that pick six uh, that that put them over the top, put them up 21 to six. Uh, you know, Malik Houseman has really come into his own at the nickelback position. He had two interceptions in this game, three pass breakups. So I think you're just hoping for sort of slow progress where you know, you, where you get strong performances from the guys that you think you can rely upon. And you hope that the that the other guys that you keep shuffling into the starting lineup, you guys like, you know, like your house spins, uh, you know, Kalana Makwala, who had seven tackles, guys like that, that those people who you give extended opportunities can make the most of them. So it's coming together like a tiny little bit at a time. But again, Patience is likely to be a virtue on the islands this year. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be careful there. It's gonna take a minute. So yeah, yeah. So it's a good win for them, and then they got like they New Mexico State could be interesting. The like Nevada, like CSU. There's there's a couple chances maybe for a couple more wins, but I don't. I wouldn't count it too much. If they get above three, that'd be. I think we I put them at four and nine, but mm-hmm. there's a couple chances they could like again at New Mexico State, not a good team. At CSU, not a good team with all road games here. Utah State, we'll see if they turn around. Like there's there's you know UNLV comes home for the Ninth Island trophy. There's a there's a couple chances where they could be frisky in some games, so we'll see. 
Anything else you want to add about the season so far or this past week before we move on to week four in a couple of days? No, I think we are pretty much all set. All right. We'll be back in a couple of days. Apologies for being in touch light. Stuff happens. So you're welcome. We still bring you your goodness of college football, but check us out mwire.com, Twitter, MWC wire. And we'll be back in a couple of days to preview week four when more conference games get going.